This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Praise God. How many of you know he's coming again? How many of you know he's, uh, how many of you are excited about that? If you're not, you should be. Hallelujah. He is the blessed hope of all the world. And thank God for those of us that know him that have been born of the Spirit of God. I'd say we have a leg up. Amen. To know him is to love him. To love him is to know him. Hallelujah. Thank God for Jesus. Amen. So anyway, we're glad you're all here. Delighted you can be with us. This is our annual picnic that we're having. Hope that all of you are staying. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a great time because we're having chicken. I mean, that's, that's just godly. We want to welcome all you own online folk. We're glad that you can be with us here this morning. You're not eating chicken, at least not here. Uh, that's too bad. Sorry. It's just the way it goes. So you got to be here to, to enjoy it. But uh, we are delighted you can be with us here this morning. So we hope you have a Bible there, wherever you may be. Uh, we're going to get into the Word of God. And uh, I believe that God can minister to you just right where you are as much as He can here. So if you'll open your heart to Him, a lot of great things can happen in your life right where you are. So we appreciate you being with us today. All right, y'all bring a Bible with you this morning. Let's see, one, two, three. How about the rest of you? I mean, have you got a device or anything? I mean, you know, like something, amen. Well, anyway, let's open them to the book of Action, uh, chapter 27, if you can find that in your Bible. The book of Acts, for those of you that didn't get that. <clears throat> Acts chapter 27 is, we're going to use as our text for this morning. I'm excited to bring this message to you today. Hallelujah. How many of you know God wants to speak to you? You know, if people will open up their heart to the possibility of God speaking to them, guess what? He probably will. And so it's important for us as believers to do just that. And um, in so doing, I believe that he can help to pave the way for our future. How many of you know our future's bright? Amen. Now, if you're looking at the political climate and some of the cultural matters and issues and things of that nature that we might be dealing with right now, uh, you might end up being a little disappointed. But, praise God, when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, when it comes to the kingdom of God, you know, Jesus came preaching the kingdom of heaven. He, he came revealing the kingdom of God. And very often he would use parables. He said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of heaven? And he would use some type of a natural um, example to convey or to reveal a spiritual truth. And so thank God we have the Gospels in the New Testament that afford us the privilege of at least getting a glimpse of what it is that we have yet uh, to look forward to. So everybody say it together, the future's bright. I mean, it really truly is. Amen in spite of whatever it is that may be going on in this temporal world that we live in. You say, yeah, but I'm worried about the here and now. Well, you know, the Bible says not to worry. Did you know that worry is a sin? Thanks for your enthusiasm. Yeah, and I don't have time to get into it theologically to explain that to you, but, you know, the Bible says to be careful for nothing. Never be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. Everybody say, thank God for his peace. Thank God for 
Yeah, well, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so, you know, you have to understand that God would never ask you to do something you're incapable of. So everybody say, I can do it. Amen. You sure enough can. You know, you might have to fight the good fight of faith. You might have to resist the devil. You might have to put him in his place and let him know that he's under your feet. Hallelujah. And uh, but I tell you what, there's no life like the Jesus life. Hallelujah. And I thank God when I was 19 years old, I had sense enough to give him all of my heart, all of my mind and all of my soul. And he changed my life forever. Now, I never thought in a million years I'd be a preacher. I got to tell you, even after I was saved, you know, for a few years, I mean, if you'd have said you're going to be a preacher, I would have said, dude, you are nuts, you know, because I didn't know nothing about all this, you know, and all of a sudden, one night in a June summer evening, I was in a little, you know, uh, Pentecostal church in Woodmine, Iowa, and God showed up, and he changed my life forever, and uh, so away we went, and here we are today now, some 40 years later, actually more than 40 uh, we had uh, Jones class reunion. We got together last night, and uh, we're getting older, and we have changed. And uh, but you know, I always look at it from a biblical standpoint. The Bible says we're being changed from glory to glory, and from faith to faith. Hallelujah! So uh, just depends on well how you look at things. Praise God! All right, let's pray together. We'll get into what I want to share with you this after. Or where are we this morning? Praise God! Father, we love you. And it's such a privilege, Father, to stand before this congregation of people and even those, Father, who may be watching online and to be able to present, Father, the design and the will that you have for us. So, Father, I ask you to help me. Give me utterance in the Holy Ghost. Let the Spirit of God have his way and have free course in this service. <coughs> for your purposes. And I thank you, Father God, that when we come away from uh, this day, that we will be changed and that our life and our thinking will be different and our believing as well. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Acts chapter 27. I just want to focus on one verse of scripture here, and then we'll, we'll talk about some things and unpack this a little bit. Notice with me in chapter 27, verse 20. This is about Paul being on a ship, and they were um, basically uh, about to lose their lives because of a storm that they found themselves to be in. Notice verse 20. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope. Everybody say all hope. All hope. All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Think about that with me for a minute. The uh, English Standard Version, which I think is on the screen, says that when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Now, if you know anything about this story, if you've read, ever read it before, the Apostle Paul had made his appeal to Caesar. The Jews had been trying to kill him, incarcerate him, do anything they could to get rid of him. And so they ended up before the Roman uh, courts. And as he was working through all of this, he then made his appeal to Caesar. So this, this trip, this voyage was to get him 
to Rome in order for this to take place. Well, the Bible tells us that Paul warned the owner and the master of the ship that they shouldn't take this trip. Not only was it beyond the time frame, naturally speaking, from a practical standpoint, that they should be sailing, but he, the Bible says, perceived. In other words, God on the inside of him was warning them not to take this trip because he said it will cost not only the ship and its lading, but even our own lives. Well, you know, everything looked good. You know, they thought maybe they uh, had obtained their purpose. And so they w- uh, away they went. And, of course, they got out in the middle of the ocean and uh, the Mediterranean. And all of a sudden, everything went sideways. And so they started pitching everything out. And uh, this thing went on and on and on. And uh, so the lading's going overboard. The ship is being damaged. There's all kinds of things that are occurring. And we read in this scripture here this morning that because of all this, all hope that they should be saved was lost. In other words, you could very clearly and, and accurately say that they were in a hopeless situation. Well, I want to talk to you this morning about the incredible power that hope has in our lives. You know, we live in this world, and of course, naturally, we face all kinds of challenges and different things. And of course, you know, in the last 18 months, we've had some serious things been thrown at us that have really left a lot of people reeling about what in the world is going on. Well, you know, thank God there is a God in heaven that knows exactly what's going on. And if you're a servant of his and a child of his, that you can rest assured that he will take a father's place and that he will care for you. But yet, right on the other hand, the practical application of our trust and our focus on God in the midst of adversity and the midst of test or trial can be somewhat challenging. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, there are a lot of people that are living in fear today because they're uncertain about the future. But I tell you what, praise God, if you're a child of God, if you're born of the Spirit of God, as we said earlier, your future is bright. It may not be, you know, mapped out within the context of the plan maybe that you had, but God said that he would take a father's place and care for us. Can you say amen? So we can rejoice in all of that, hallelujah. But there is such an incredible power that rests within the lives of people who have hope. And we should never let our confidence and our hope be taken away from us. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 that faith, it says now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Well, if you don't have hope, then your faith has nothing to give substance to. Isn't that right? The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, and we've all been in that before, you know, we've hoped for something, you know, that we wanted to see come to pass within our lives and somehow or another it was being prolonged or, you know, deferred. And then, you know, maybe it was threatened that it maybe wouldn't happen or come to pass or whatever the case might be. And then all of a sudden it showed up. We, we got whatever it was that we were desiring. And when that desire comes, like the Bible says, it's like a tree of life. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? You know, the Bible says also in uh, chapter 29 of Proverbs, in verse 18, it says that where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, vision has to do with what's in our future. So does hope. 
We hope for certain things to go certain ways and whatever the case might be, but it's in our future, certainly not in the now, and it's certainly not in our past. But the Bible says that our faith is what gives substance to that which we hope for. But again, I appeal to you that if you lose your hope, what's your faith trying to tie itself to? And so it becomes important for us to make sure that our hope is in the right thing, or I could say it this way, we need to make sure that our hope is in God. You know, uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again, there isn't a politician on this planet that's going to fix this mess. If you think some guy or gal is, is going to, you know, magically, you know, change what's going on in our world, I got news for you. You are uh, misguided. Now, that's being kind. Okay? Now, that's not going to happen. I'll tell you what's going to happen. It's the church of the living God obeying and following the plan of God, being the people of God, praying before God, and living in a way that pleases Him that is going to bring the culmination of all things that God ordained long ago before the foundation of the world. Guess what? He's got a plan. And it's going as planned. It may not look like it to you, but I'm telling you, it's going as planned. Jesus said all these things would happen. He said, but let not your heart be troubled. So if he said, let not your heart be troubled, guess what? You and I can, everybody say, I can. Amen. Yeah, let not your heart be troubled. You say, yes, but it, it threatens my well-being. It threatens my security. It threatens, you know, this, that, or the other. Listen, God is big enough to take care of whatever it is that's going on in your life. Amen? That's what we call faith. That's what we call trust. And we look to him. Hallelujah. Now, there are a whole lot of folk, they don't have the anchor to their soul that you have. And they're not convinced. You know, they say, well, you're trusting in God, you know, and you're looking to him and this and that. I'm not so sure about all that. Well, that's not a good place to be in. Huh? Thank God I know and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him until, this day, and until the day of his coming. Amen? You know, if, if you end up having your life taken from you, somebody just did you a favor. We never think of it in those terms, do we? No, because our lives are so tied to this temporal life. Are you listening to me? But I'm telling you what, praise God, when you breathe your last breath and you're a child of God assuming that, you know, and you, and you step in that moment from this existence and realm to the other, glory to God. Are you with me? And so, you know, we don't have to be afraid. Aren't you glad for that? Amen? But, but we live in this world, and people really are searching. I mean, you, you look around, and you see all the things that people are involved in, and uh, they're, they're, they're desiring to find meaning in their life. You know, you see so much of what, what I see as a pastor in so many people's lives, even young people, they've lost hope. You know, so there's no, there's no impetus, there's no, there's no motivational force that moves them in some kind of a direction because of what it is maybe that they feel or see or whatever the case might be. But thank God we don't have to worry about that in Christ. And I can give you statistical things that would prove that. You know, for example, you know, we see so many people that are taking their lives, and it has went up exponentially. 
you know, from 1999 until now, uh, the increase is over 35% annually. There's nearly 48,000 people in this country alone that are taking their lives, you know. And, and you got to ask, and not to mention the fact that people have tried. Well, why? Because they've lost hope. They feel like there's no reason for living. Well, I tell you what, praise God, as a believer and a child of God, you've got every reason, hallelujah, to live and to rejoice in the goodness of God. I mentioned to you, you know, this cultural and political climate, climate that we're in, all of this uncertainty, all of the things that are threatening our well-being, our livelihoods, our security, you know, <clears throat> everything that we've always, you know, looked at as, <clears throat> excuse me, everything that we've always looked at as, as things that provide security in our lives are being attacked, they're being assaulted. And so we're asking ourselves, what in the world is going on? Well, I want to again appeal to you, the thing that's going on is that Jesus is coming again. He said all these things would come to pass, and that in the last days, perilous times would come because men would become lovers of themselves. So much of what it is you see going on in the world today is being driven by greed. It's being driven by corruption. And all of these things, you know, Jesus said would come to pass. You say, but I don't like it. Can he, can he, you know, do it in some other generation? I mean, can he find another time? He's God and we're us. So, no, you just go with it. Amen? But here's the good news. Everybody say, thank God for good news. The good news is, he said, that in all of this, you, child of God, do not let your heart be troubled, for all these things must come to pass. And then he talked about famines and pestilence. We're seeing all of that. We see all of these things going on. You know, I, I don't know. Is there any of California left to be burned? You know? And, and, and all of these things that are bringing such stress upon the lives of people. And listen, dear friend, I want you to know, you better get your trust in the living God. Are you with me? Because he will keep you. He will sustain you. I mean, praise God, he will lift you up. He will uphold you in the middle of this entire mess if you'll just trust him. We have record after record after record after record in the Bible, in the word of God, where men and women trusted him and in the midst of a, a thing that was so life-threatening that looked like there was no hope and all of these different things that guess what? God showed up. And he made a way where there was no way so that those people could come up on top and then the king would then say, you know, God is God. The God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is God because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. And that is the God that you and I serve. So we got a great reason to rejoice, hallelujah because of what it is that he promised that he would do in our lives. Now, if you don't believe that, well then, it's gonna be pretty difficult for you to get very excited. But for the rest of us, hallelujah, we're gonna have a great time in him, amen? You know, ask yourself, you know, how do you navigate through these seasons of hopelessness that we have in our lives. And, and maybe you come this morning and there's that, there's this, this reticence, you know, maybe somewhere within your thinking where you feel as though 
what's the use or whatever. Maybe it's not something that's just, you know, back there somewhere in the dark shadows of your life, but it's, it's right there in the middle of bold relief where your life is concerned. Well, you know, there, the Bible has an answer. I don't have any answers. The Bible has answers. And thank God, if we'll look to the Word of God, I mean, our lives can be changed. Let me give you about four different things that you can think about here. You know, the first thing that you need to know and believe is, is that God is a God of hope. He is the God of hope. Hallelujah. That's an important thing. You have to believe that. Not only that, you have to know that. Well, you know, I'm not so convinced about this whole God thing. Well, uh, need to get that changed. The second thing to think about is that you have to know that your hope is, truly is, placed in the living God. Are you listening to me? Not in your portfolio. Not in how much money you got stacked up over here or whatever it is that may be going right or whatever it is that maybe is going wrong. If you put your trust in the wrong thing, you could end up being very disappointed. But if your hope is in him and you know it, then life gets wonderful in a hurry. Number three, you have to know that in the time of trouble or being tempted to lose hope, and if you ever had, you know, a temptation to lose hope, you know, Jesus spoke a parable to the intent in Luke chapter 18 that, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, lose heart, and give up. Listen, we don't give up. If you're a child of God, come on now, you got to help me with this. I, I'm not getting near enough oomph out of this deal. I said, listen to me, you are not without hope, child of God. Guess I'm going to have to start screaming. Maybe that'll help. Hallelujah. You're not without hope. So in the midst of temptation to lose hope or, you know, uh, in the time of trouble, and we all have trouble. We all have trouble. But in those times, you have to turn your eyes toward God. In other words, every example we have in the New Testament and probably in your own personal life, people could give testimony. You know, that they were in the situation and what did they do? They stopped, they paused, and they turned toward God. They looked to Him. And when they looked to Him, then answers started coming. He told them what to do. And thank God He was able to deliver as only He can. And number four, you have to know, and listen, you can. I'm telling you, you can know. But you have to know that the very best is yet to come. Don't ever lose hope, my friends, because I'm telling you what, God's on your side. Listen, you have to realize that when God created you, he didn't, it, it wasn't a mistake. He did it intentionally. And listen, God has something better for you. God has more, something more for you, for your life, for your family, for your children. You have to believe that because it's true. He didn't just put you on this earth and say, you know what, I'm going to create this guy here and this gal over here, and my whole intent behind this is just to see how bad I can make them suffer. This will be fine. Now, that's not the God I serve. I said, that's not the God I serve. You know, when you read in the scriptures, and I use it often, I know the plans that I have for you, they're plans to prosper you. This is God speaking. And he said, I know the plans that I have for you. 
And they are plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Now listen to this. To give you a hope and a future. I tell you what, I believe God. I said I believe God. I don't care what the politician says. I believe God. Amen. And I'm telling you what, if God has to come and do a little adjusting where all the politicians are concerned, I'm good with that too. Huh? My hope, my personal and final satisfaction is not in them. It's in Him. Hallelujah. Because I tell you what, the word of the Lord is going to stand. And He said that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church of the living God. So I tell you what, God's got something in store for us. And we can rejoice in what it is that he has. Sometimes, you know, you know, Timothy was discouraged. He pastored in, in Ephesus. And I'm telling you what, dude, he had a hard road to hoe. And Paul wrote two different letters to this man and encouraged him in, in, in what it was that was going on. But this is what Paul said. He said, I want you. I want you. I said, I want you to stir up the gift of God that's in you. You have to stir up the gift of God that's within you. I said, you, child of God, sometimes have to stir up the gift of God that is in you so that, praise God, you can fight the good fight of faith. Amen. You say, well, how do you do that? Well, the first thing you do is you start praising him. You start looking to him. You start thanking him. You start reminding yourself of what it is that he has said, the promises that he has made. And I tell you what, you start rehearsing those and all the things that are going on in your life seem to diminish and all of a sudden fade away because God is a good God. We just got done singing it. Amen. How good he is to us. And, and you need to realize, you know, we're not the first generation, you know, of people or, or even, you know, the only individual that has had to navigate through some overwhelming circumstances and crisis in our lives. Some of us have experienced devastating things within our lives and thought to ourselves, you know, that maybe we couldn't recover or we couldn't, you know, rebound or we couldn't, you know, make it back. But dear friend, I'm telling you, you can. All is not lost. Listen, there is a God in heaven that stands with you so that you can pick yourself back up so that you can rise up and overcome and be the person that God wants you to be. Hallelujah. And you have to believe that. Glory to God. I mean, you know, um, you look at the things going on in the world, the threatening nature of hell, trying to impose itself upon our individual lives. I tell you what, we just need to begin to look to God for the things that we need. And you can, but you need to know that he is the God of all hope. Look at this verse of scripture with me. And I, I've used it often here in these last 18, 20 months because it just seems to be a recurring theme. But in Romans chapter 15, the apostle Paul says this, now the God of hope, everybody say the God of hope. Everybody say, he is my God, and he is a God of hope. He said, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Now notice this, in what? In what? In other words, there ain't no joy, 
And there ain't no peace if there ain't no believing. Are you with me? But people that believe can have joy. People that believe can have peace. And it's not a pipe dream. It's not some crutch. It's not something. It's reality. That because we have the God of hope. And the Bible says, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may, what's that next word? Do what? Say it again. So that you can abound. Now, I know a lot of folk would think, you know, to the believer, you know, in the way that we act sometimes that we're nuts. That we're fanatics. Don't you see what's going on in the world? You know, can't you see this? Can't you see that? Well, you know, yeah, I understand that that's going on, but I see something else. I see God, and I see His greatness, and I see His ability to deliver. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. So it says right here that you may abound in hope through, listen, through the power of the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. So a lot of this is going to be happening because of the reality of his indwelling presence. It's what's in you that allows you to be put over in life, to be an overcomer, to be able to see things different than the rest of the world. It's because of him in his indwelling presence that you, the child of God, can live big in the earth today because Jesus is coming again. Are you listening to me? And he's alive, by the way. Everybody say, he is the God of all hope. Yeah, absolutely is. So you have to believe that he is. And like I said, the people that are abounding in hope is those that understand and know or recognize the reality of his indwelling presence. And you've got to stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you. I guarantee you, you stir up the Holy Ghost on the inside of you and you'll be happy before you know it. But most people don't do that. They go, what do I got to be happy about? What do I, blah, 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 blah. And they're talking about whatever their circumstances are instead of seeing him who is invisible. Come on, praise God, child of God. There's so much more for you to be looking at, recognizing, and believing in. I know circumstances are real. I know we deal with all kinds of challenges, but I'm telling you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. So we have to believe God in the middle of it all. The Apostle Paul was really good. You know, he made this statement. This is in Romans chapter 8 and 35. He said, who's going to separate us from the love of God? See, God so loved the world that he sent Jesus so that you could live. So Paul is arguing the point. He's asking the question. He said, who in the world's going to separate you from the love of God? And then he goes on and, and asks the question in this way. Shall tribulation... Shall distress, shall persecution, shall famine, shall nakedness, shall peril, shall sword. It is written, for our, our, or thy sake we are killed all the day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. No! A thousand times no. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Glory to God. Everybody say, I'm a conqueror. You're a conqueror. Well, I don't feel much like a conqueror. I feel like I'm the conquered. Well, you know, that can be changed. Huh? You know, if you have a steady diet of the... Uh, I was going to use a word, but it's not Christian, so I've got I to think a little bit here. 
If you're going to have a steady diet of the um, yuck that's in the world, then you're not going to be a very happy person. But if you have a steady diet of him, huh? You know, when, when God was speaking to Joshua, he, he told him, he said, listen, this book of the law, the word of God, is not to depart out of your mouth. Keep it on your lips, on, you know, your tongue. This, this book shall not depart from your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night so that you can observe to do, everybody say do, all that is written therein. For then, then and only then will you make your way prosperous and then and only then are you going to have good success. You're the one that, that, that brings about the good success through your cooperation of doing and practicing what the Bible says. You know, if my life is a wreck and I'm always having strife and confusion and fighting and whatever, and I discover what the Bible has to say, and it says, put all this away and begin to walk in love as Christ loved you. And I decide that I'm going to make that my path and that I begin doing that, guess what? I'm the one through the truth of his word that is initiating the action to bring about change in my life. You can do the same thing. If you want to stop living and having hell on earth, then start doing what it is that the Bible says. Well, a few people are doing this, but there ain't a whole lot of shouting going on. God's word works. People, you know, they'll say all the time, they speak disparagingly about the Bible, and this faith stuff, you know, is no good and it don't work. Listen, you are mistaken. You are misguided. The word of God works. It's, the problem is people don't do it. Okay, I'm going over here. I'm looking for somebody to help me here. It, it, the people don't do it. Oh, yeah, I believe the Bible, man, from Genesis to Revolution. I mean, I got it going on here. I believe the Bible. But are you doing it? Uh, it's people. See, <laughs> Jesus said, if you'll continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Isn't that right? Huh? Woo! This is a great message just before picnic. I can tell already I'll never get done. Any of you know the man Victor Frankel? Ever heard the word or the name? Victor was a, uh, he was a psychiatrist, a neurologist. He was quite brilliant. He had uh, worked for many years and developed a manuscript uh, for publication. And... Uh, and uh, was very noted as an individual. The unfortunate thing is, is that he grew up during the era of World War II. And as uh, a person during that time frame, he found himself also in Europe, and he was a Jew. And he also found himself being herded up like cattle along with his family. And they took him, put him on a train along with his family, and took them down the tracks to a certain place. And they had two lines. 
And basically, the lines represented the ones that were healthy enough in order to make uh, to get work out of them for um, the Third Reich, and the other ones were heading for the gas chamber. And he watched. Now you talk about hopeless, you guys. Before you get all you know stirred up about your little whatever you got going on, you think about what this man faced. He watched them separate himself from his family. They went in that line. And he went in the other because he was healthy enough to work for whatever it is that they were trying to accomplish. And he knew that he would never see his family again, and he lost every one of those members. Well, while he was standing there naked, like so many of the rest of the people of his ethnicity, they told them, they stripped them, and then they told him to go over to a table and pick up a pair of clothes a set of clothes. And so they did. Well, you have to understand these clothes had been worn before by someone else that had done exactly what they did until they expired. So he went over to the table, he picked up a, a set of clothes, and he put them on. And while he was standing there in the line, he put his hands in his pocket, and in his pocket there was a piece of paper. And so he pulled it out, and it was a torn piece of paper. Every, the, the message that was on it was not all there. But you know, as, a, <clears throat> as a, uh, a Jewish child and a person, he had been taught this verse of Scripture that all of them have taught was in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, for the Lord our God is one God, the only God. Well, when he picked up this piece of paper, it had two words on it, the Lord. And he read those two <clears throat> read those two words, and in that moment, he had a visitation from God himself. And all of a sudden, the hopelessness of his circumstance evaporated and went away. And Victor made his way all the way through the concentration camps and everything and came out on the other side. If you haven't read it, you should read this book. It's entitled Man's Search for Meaning. And basically, the thesis of the book is, is that the primary motivation or motivational force, I guess you could say, uh, is man's search for meaning. Well, <clears throat> if you've come to know Jesus, you're already there. Because, praise God, He is the reason for all of us to be here right now. Not everyone knows that. And so this individual was able to do this, and he lived... And he went on, as I said, to write this book, and um, uh, it, it is heralded as one of the best books that is, is ever written. Now, let's bring it up here into a more current uh, time frame. How many of you know a guy, he's just a, you know, kind of an upstart, he's, he's trying to make his way and, you know, have a success. His name is Joel Osteen, you know. He's got 50-some thousand people that come to his church every Sunday and listen to him talk, you know. And people, you know, they'll argue all the time about he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that, and doesn't do that. I'll tell you one thing, that guy will give you hope if he gives you nothing else. Are you listening to me? Well, he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. Well, listen, when you've got 50,000 people coming to your church, then maybe you can bark. In the meantime, put down your rocks and go sit in a car. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, Joel's mother, Dodie, and I know more about Dodie and John than I do, of course, Joel, because they grew up within my time frame, and she, I, as far as I know, I think she's still living. But in 1981, 
her and John were pastoring Lakewood Church, and um, <clears throat> she was always, you know, healthy and active and busy and this and that and the other, and, and she became sick. <clears throat> and to shorten up the deal a little bit here, they took her to the hospital there in Houston, and um, they couldn't really figure out, done all these tests and this and that and the other, and they sent some blood work away up to Cincinnati or somewhere, you know, just to be sure. And sure enough, this woman was diagnosed with liver cancer. And basically, it had, it had, they couldn't find the tumor in her body. They didn't know, you know, where necessarily it had originated from. But basically, they said, uh, <clears throat> you have a few weeks to live, a few weeks to live. And she was hemorrhaging. She was having all kinds of problems and different things like this. And uh, so basically, they said there was nothing they could do. Now, that's a hopeless situation, isn't it? Unless you know God. Now, the reason that I'm excited about this is in 1981, she would have been dead if she didn't know Jesus. But I tell you what, she did some things that, <laughs> you know, and basically they just told uh, John and Dodie, they said, you know, uh, just kind of get your house in order because uh, there's nothing we can do and you're not going to live. And so John, thank God for the preacher, stood up and said, well, doctor, I appreciate your diagnosis, but we believe in a God of miracles. And the doctor said, that's what you're going to have to have. And he said, that's what we're going to get. And so the first thing that Dodie said was, John, take me home. I don't want to be in here. You know, hospitals can be the darkest place. You know, and I tell you what, thank God, he said, and they didn't want her to go home. He said, I'm taking my wife home. And they took him home, and the family gathered around, and they had a conversation about Jesus Christ being her healer. And they went through, there's a, there's a, her, she has a book called Healed of Cancer. If you don't have it, buy it, find it, get it, read it, wear it out. She's got 40 scriptures in there that she used in order to live and not die. Are you listening to me? And why am I saying this? Why am I using it as an example? Because you can be in some of the most hopeless situations, and I'm telling you the living word of God will turn your circumstance around. But I tell you what, she lived, eat, slept, and drank the word of God continuously. And she would not allow anyone to talk to her about cancer or anything else. She says, I do not have cancer. And this, this is not a statement of denial. This is a statement of faith, and there is a difference. She never would accept the fact that she had something that did not belong to her when Jesus took her infirmities, bore her sicknesses, and by the stripes of Jesus, she would heal. So here's the thing. Faith works. She is living proof today, 40-some years, well, 40 years later. That the word of the living God, praise God, can bring healing to your body and you can live and not die. But you know, when you're sitting in a hospital room and the doctor comes in, and Paul, their, their son, he was, uh, I think it was an intern at the time, doctor. You know, when he heard the prognosis, dude, he was, he was crying uncontrollably because he knew that it was a death sentence. So mom had to preach to Paul about what was going to happen here, and he sucked it up and said, okay, mom, we got this. And guess what? She lived. I said she lived. Now, you know, and, and when you read this book, you'll, you'll find, it's not a big book either, so if you're not much of a reader, you can still get through it, you know. 
But she said, you gotta, you gotta be tenacious. If you're a passive person, uh, that's probably not gonna work out real well. But she lived. I said she lived. In a hopeless circumstance when there was no hope, this gal lived. Now, God made a promise to Abraham. He said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And he had no seed. He's 75 years old. Not only that, he went for 25 years and still didn't have a manifestation of the promise. He said, dude, you know, I'm older than dirt, you know. Sarah even said, you know, hey, listen, I, I, I think we're missing something here. But here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and 18, who against hope, when there was no hope, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. Listen, according to that which was what? Spoken. And then the Bible goes on to say, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, the King James says, when he was about 100 years old or the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And listen, being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. In Dodie's testimony, she said, I knew that it was not the will of God for me to be sick. Are you listening to me? And you have to know that. A lot of people don't. They say, well, you know, sometimes God uses sickness and disease, you know, to teach people. That's, it's a doctrine from hell. God has no sickness or disease. And it is, he is not the author of it on any level whatsoever. People will say, yeah, but you know, when this happened and they got this and, you know, God was able to do this and some people got saved. People can get saved without that. God does not need Sickness and disease to bring people into the kingdom of God. He gave us his word. So the next time you hear somebody talking along those lines, just say, well, you know what? I'm not buying that because it's not true. Are you with me? Let me share a scripture with you here because I'm going to run out of time for sure. And I've, I've read it before, but I want, you to, I want you to have this verse of Scripture as a part of your arsenal. Look with me to Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah 41. And I want you to notice something here that God is, you know, the Bible is God speaking to you. You know that, don't you? You say, well, I don't believe the Bible. Well, then that's your problem. Huh? People can believe whatever they want. You know, people, they, you know, some people, they got the goofiest ideas. You've, I mean, you know, I mean, you, you can't even make some of this stuff up. I remember, you know, back in the days when I was growing up and people are smoking dope and doing acid and all these things. I mean, they, they come up with some really strange stuff. And they believed it. <laughs> Weirder and weird, but they believed it. You know what I'm saying? And even today, I mean, you hear some of the stuff that people have opened themselves up to. You know, they get into all kinds of sexual sins. It, listen, sexual sin will destroy your mind. People do not think straight when they open themselves up to immorality. Fornication, adultery, whatever it is, dude, their brain goes the wrong way. Are you with me? So people believe all kinds of things. I choose to believe the Bible. I said, I choose to believe the Word of God. 
And when it says that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost and that you're to glorify God in your body, then that's what you ought to be doing. Not fornicating, not committing adultery, not destroying some family or some person's life because you don't have your needs met wherever it is that you're at and you're going after it someplace else where it, you do not belong. Did you hear me? Child of God, come on. You say, yeah, but I got my feelings, I have my desires. Well, get rid of them. Go take a cold shower. Do whatever it is you got to do. Huh? You have no idea where it is that you're going, where you think it's going to give you happiness, and in fact, it is going to destroy your life, and you'll have guilt and misery. Read the book of Proverbs. You know, this thing, I mean, (laughs) oh, hallelujah. To be the delivery boy, it is such a great thing. But you know, if you can help somebody, if you can avert stupidity, come on, then I guess that's worth it. And it is worth it. Amen. People say, I hate you. You know, it's like, no, you don't. You don't even know me, man. If you knew me, you'd love me, man. And see, the thing is, is that when you really do genuinely and authentically live, love somebody, you tell them the truth. You know, parents, you're, you know, with your kids, you don't placate. You don't, you know, live in some kind of denial. You tell them the truth. A lot of times we tell our kids there are certain things that they weren't able to do. They didn't understand it. They were mad at us. And the only thing that we'd be able to do is just simply say, Honey, listen, I know you don't understand. We're not trying to make your life miserable, even though that's what you think. We love you, and we care about you, and someday you'll understand. Isn't that right? Dude, I'm sorry, man. You're right in the middle of it. You can't even get out of it. All right. But it is true. Yeah. Why? Because they care for your souls. They love you. Are you with me? Don't let your kids go stupid. They belong to you. Tell the devil to take his hands off of them and get in their life. We had our middle son, Greg, and the problem with Greg is everyone loved him. The dope smokers, the beer drinkers, the athletes, the, I mean, whatever group, you want to name Greg Kelstrup could fit in in a heartbeat. And that was a problem. Huh? And, and trying to ride herd over that and, and, and hold him out or from those influences was a challenge. My wife and I, we spent a lot of time on our knees And we had conversations in the middle of the night when our kids were sitting on the floor at the foot of our bed talking about life when I wanted to sleep. But when there's opportunity, buddy, you better take it. Are you listening to? Get in your kid's life. I went and bought a car sight unseen in Phoenix, Arizona in order to try to get this kid back into my life. You know, it worked. But what a disaster. I bought this thing, and they had torn it all apart, and I bought it from somebody I knew. 
and I bought this car and, and uh, they, they wanted to sell it because they were not going to work on it anymore. I thought, okay, I'll, we'll make a connection here. We'll build this car together. So I bought it. They took everything that they had torn off this car, threw it inside the car and sent it to me. So it's in pieces. So we took our garage and we just started trying to figure out where all these bolts and everything went. And we rebuilt that car together. And at least it tied us together in a practical, natural kind of way so that we could keep this kid in our life. Are you listening? You do whatever it takes, you guys. I kind of got off track here a little bit. You know, some of these side journeys are about as good as anything else anyway. Amen? Your kids need you. They don't know that. You know, they don't think, especially when they get up into adolescence, about 13, 15 years old, they think, you know, my God, I, I'm, I'm king. I'm, I'm God. I'm whatever you want to call me. I'm it. And they're dumb as a fence post. You know what I'm saying? That's why they need you more than ever. But see, the devil targets kids at that age because there's more and more rope that's being given to them at that time. And he's going to stand right there waiting. And that's why you got to stand there and say, uh-uh. With me? Okay, that's my two cents worth on the whole parenting thing. Praise the Lord. Where were we? Oh, that's right. Thank you. Look at this, this script. Here it is. This is a promise to you. That's right, because we talked about the Bible. Speak, God speaking to you, right? Is God speaking to you? Listen to this. This is great. Write this down. Put big stars around it. Praise God. Put it on a postcard. Listen to what God says. Fear not. Fear not. In the New Testament, when Paul was writing to Timothy, he said, God has not given us the spirit of fear. Well, I'm afraid, but you don't have to be. Resist it. You know, the Bible tells us that he has not given us the spirit of fear. Fear is one of the tactics that hell uses, that the devil uses. I mean, look what happened in COVID. Everybody got freaked out. Fear drove an entire globe into running the other direction because nobody knew what in the world was going on. Fear. And they're trying to use the thing right now to keep the control. Are you listening to me? And the conditioning of humanity going. And somebody needs to get a clue and stand up, and actually a lot have. I mean, 65 to 70,000 people are jamming themselves in these, uh, these uh, <clears throat> what are they? Stadiums. And it's glorious. Everybody's actually having a good time. Hallelujah. But I tell you what, there are people that sure don't like it. They're doing everything they can to stop it. But, dude, it ain't going to happen. Are you listening to me? Okay, you know, honey, help me stay where I need to be. Just preach this message, will you? Are you cold? Maybe you want some. She's down here. <laughs> Get this woman a warm blanket, man. Hallelujah. You got one? Here, let's help her out. We'll get back to you later, Mary. I am in trouble. Ain't no life like wildlife. 
Uh-huh. Okay. Whatever you think. Sounds to me like we've got some work to do. Anyway, okay. <laughs> I'm still trying to read Isaiah 41. Fear thou not. Why? Because I'm with you. You believe that this morning? He's with you. Fear thou not, for I am with you. Listen, be not dismayed or discouraged. Why? Because I am your God. He said, listen, I will strengthen you. I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you. Praise God. I tell you, when you get out of bed in the morning, the devil's telling you some kind of lie, you can just say, hey, did you know that God is upholding me right now with the right hand of his righteousness? Glory to God forevermore. See, the way you deal with the devil is you tell him what the word says. It is written, it is written, it is written. So that he can take his stuff and peddle it somewhere else. You're not going to make it. You'll never be able to. You know, people don't like you. I mean, all this lying. And you can say, praise God. I know the word of God. And I know that this is not true. And I don't believe you. That's what the, you know, when the Bible says, fight the good fight of faith, that's what it's making reference to. When it says to resist the devil and he'll flee from you, that's what it's, that's what it's in reference to. That's the way you do it. Devil, you're a liar. And praise God, you know, if we get a hold of the word of God. But see, a lot of times people hear these things from the preacher or whatever, but they never make an application of it. They never do anything with it. They don't say what the Bible has to say. Are you with me? And, and what needs to happen is, is you have to address the assault that's being made on you. That's what Jesus did. The devil came to tempt him, and he said, no, 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 it's written. And he put a stop to what was, he was being harassed and harangued about. Are you with me? And that's what you have to do. Well, you know, that's a lot of work. Come on, man. You know, people are always excited about doing something if it's easy. Yeah? Is it easy? Well, maybe not. Hallelujah. So, um, this is, uh, you can turn there if you like. I want to read you some more scriptures. This is Psalm 42, verse 4. The, the psalmist David, we could take, a, we could take a, a lesson from him. In Psalm 42, verse, or, yeah, verse 4. These things I remember. Everybody say, I remember. He said, these things I remember. That's going to be important. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead in the procession to the house of God. With glad shouts and songs of praise. A multitude keeping festival. Aren't you glad for the praise and worship team at Fellowship Church? Amen. You have no idea what they're dealing with sometimes when we get started in a service. I mean, you know, it's, it's, have any of you ever had a dead battery and you try to get it to start and it wouldn't start? And then when you even put the jumper cables on, it was so dead that it still wouldn't, you had to sit there and wait for a charge to get into it. 
so that the, you, you could actually get your thing going. That's what they do sometimes. What too bad today? People jumped in pretty early on the front end, you know. But sometimes, dude, I'm telling you what. I, I mean, I always encourage them. I know you're the sharp, you know, tip of the spear, baby, but you could do it. You get out there. And if you're up there looking at this, you ain't going to get no inspiration all the time. Might be a few here and there, but otherwise it's kind of like, okay, you know, show me something, man. I mean, I didn't have breakfast, and I'm sure not enough coffee, and I wasn't real happy with her. And So what do you got? What do you got? What do you got? Well, how do, you, how do you get that thing going? Huh? Finally, by, you know, song three, four, five, maybe, somebody will go, well, you know what? Um, wouldn't it be better and easier on these poor folk? If when they came in, you were already, hallelujah, let us go into the house of the Lord and let us begin to praise him. Glory to God. How am I doing, Linda? Good. Yeah, good. Yeah. Now, a little disclaimer here. I realize, you know, that, that's really what this place is for, is for us to be recharged, to be lifted up, you know, and, and, and to... to be helped because we've been out there and the world is not a kind place and we are dealing with challenges and we do need answers and all of those kinds of things but I tell you what sometimes you just have to as an act of your own will you got to say when I get in there praise God I'm going to start singing I'm not going to mumble I'm going to sing hallelujah and if you can't sing just make a joyful noise you ever get by people that can't sing oh my lord Praise God, you better, you better get your attention on him, hallelujah, because that makes it hard. You know, some people are tone deaf, you know, hallelujah. But anyway, I'm going to get myself in trouble for sure. All right, look at this next verse, verse 5. So the psalmist, he's talking about, these things I remember, and that's key. But notice he then says in verse 5, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Listen, hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Listen, therefore... I remember you from the land of Jordan and from Hermon and from uh, uh, Mount Mizar. Now, I don't know what happened in Hermon. I didn't go back and do all the studying, but I can tell you this much. One of the things that always caused David to overcome is he would rehearse his past victories. Dear friend, if you're losing hope, you need to go back and you need to think about, look what the Lord has done. Because in every place, when he went out and took Goliath out, he said, King, listen, God was with me with the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine is going to be just like them. In other words, he would rehearse his past victories. And somehow or another with Jordan, Hermon, and, and Mizar, you know, there was something that happened there. 
You know, in his life, he said, I would remember. What about you? What about remembering when you got saved and how God delivered you up out of the miry clay and delivered you and put you on a rock to stay? I'm telling you what, God has done amazing things in your life, and you know it. But you forget about those things. You don't remember those things. And in the midst of trouble, you know, the devil will come and give you a pity party. Oh, he'll bring everybody. And they'll all just, you know, celebrate how bad you've got it. But I tell you, dear friend, child of God, it's time for you to rise up. It's time for you to rejoice in the living God that is yours, that has delivered you, that has set you free, that's filled you with the Holy Ghost, that's freed you from all of this mess that's in the world. Glory to God. Rejoice, my, my brother and sister. Hallelujah. Well, I never thought about that. Well, that's why I'm here. <laughs> Hallelujah. He'll do it again. I said he'll do it again. God's arm is not slack. It's not too short to get you out of whatever it is that's going on. Don't believe the lies of the world. They're full of lies. Whole media. They're liars. They're all liars. They're corrupt. And, I don't, and even, listen, this is going to get a little tight here, but it's right. I'm telling you, even Fox. Come on. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah, really. Why? Because drama sells. Now, I appreciate, you know, whatever it is that they're bringing out into bold relief that's wrong. But, hey, are you with me? It's time to close. Okay, I, want, I, want, I got one more verse. I got a lot of verses, but one more. Look back with me at our text here in Acts 27, and we'll close. Promise. Acts 27. Notice what it says here. In verse 20, again, When neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay upon us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Now listen to this. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have listened to me and not to have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. You know? Listen to it. Verse 22. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Now remember, this is 276 people that have decided we're going to die. And Paul's standing up in the middle of them, in the midst of that circumstance, and says, let me encourage you, praise God, be of good cheer, we're going to live. Huh? Well, they probably looked around and said, yeah, right. Huh? A lot of folk do that. You preach the Word of God, you preach the Bible to people, you preach the truth to them, and they'll say, yeah, right. But notice what he says here, I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. And there stood by me this night the angel of God. I tell you what, every one of those people, the other 275 should have went and kissed the feet of the child of God, Paul. Because otherwise they'd all be dead. But he stood in this gap, and thank God every one of them were kept and preserved. 
He said, there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve. Woo! Come on. Is that the kind of confidence, child of God, that you've got? You know, when you can say whose I am and whom I serve. Hallelujah. And he went on then to say, fear not, Paul, for you must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God has given thee all them that sail with you. Wherefore? Sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe, God, that it shall be even as it was told me. Thank God for the word of the Lord. Thank God for his promise in your life. You say, well, I wish God would speak to me. He just did. We just read Isaiah 41.10. He just said something to you. Well, no, 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 that's not what I mean. I want some like, you know... Heavy, revy. You know, I want God, you know, to show up and tell me something. He just did. You know? People, you know, people, God bless us, you know, we want something spectacular. But the truth of the matter is, is that there are things that go on in people's lives. They're not that spectacular, but they are very supernatural. And so, of course, you know the rest of the story. They were kept, lost ship, lost everything else, but the people survived. Can he do that for you? Absolutely. Praise God. Take heart. All of you. I mean, man, if you came to this church service this morning and and you just felt like bummed and, and, you know, in this funk, I want you to take heart because there is a God that loves you. There's a God that desires to fix whatever's broken. He wants to move in your life. He wants to bring cheer and joy and peace back into your life. And, and, and really what he needs is he just needs for you to consent, say, yes, Lord. I, I need you. I need what it is that you have for me. You said that I was not to fear because you're my God and you are. And that I don't have to You know, be dismayed and discouraged that you'll help me, that you will strengthen me, that you will uphold me. I'm telling you, there's a God in heaven that wants to do that if you will come to him. So let's stand together and let's ask ourselves an important question this morning. Linda, if you'd like to uh, go to the piano, you may. Let's ask ourselves an important question this morning. You know, what is it? That we seem to have been, you know, sometimes, you know, it can be as simple a thing as that you feel hopeless in what it is that you need to do when it comes to parenting. You feel hopeless in what, it, what, you, what you need to do when it comes to maybe your health. Maybe the prognosis of the doctor is this, that, or the other. Well, listen to me. Dodie Osteen was told she was going to die, and today she's still alive. Amen. So I don't know particularly, you know, whatever. The truth of the matter is, whatever it is, I'm telling you what, God, he'll meet you right now. It can be the point of beginning. It can be a defining moment. It can be that place where you say, God, I need you. I need you desperately. And, And I tell you what, God will show up. I don't know how and I don't know when, but he'll show up. He needs an invitation. Are you with me? Well, no, I'm all right. I can go it alone. No, you can't, dude. You're wrong. You can't go it alone. You need him. And I tell you what, he'll come. Some of you, maybe you got marriage problems. Well, no, we're all right. 
you know, dude, you got junk in your, in your marriage and you're telling me you're all right. I'm telling you what, pride, dude, can be so deceitful and so misleading and guide. You know, and I see it all the time. And, and here God wants to fix and to mend and to make whole. And, and we've got people that are in denial because they don't, they don't want to, you know, they, they don't want to, they don't want to show it. They don't want nobody to know or whatever. Well, listen, God already knows. So, so what's the deal? What's going to happen? You're going to keep prolonging it or are you going to put an end to it? That's the question. Would you bow your heads with me for just a minute? Heavenly Father, thank you so very much that you are the God of hope and that you are our God. Those who have called upon you to make you the Lord of their life, Father God, we have this blessed hope. And Father, I pray for those that are either watching online and especially those that are here within the sound of my voice. And Father, in this moment of our lives, if we have somehow put our trust in something other than you, God help us to recognize it and to turn away or to repent and say, God, I need you. And Father, I just thank you for speaking to men and women's hearts here today. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your blessing in each and every one of our lives. While your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, no one's looking around, please. You know, if you're here today, and, and somehow there's an application of what it is that I've shared with you today where your life is concerned. You recognize, you know, God, I need to repent, you know, uh, of whatever. Or you're, it's not a matter of repentance, but it's just a matter where you've just, you know, lost all hope. And, you know, it looks like, you know, nothing's going to go right or every, nothing's going to turn out the way that you wanted it. That might be your case. But in either one of those things... If you're here today and you'd say, by your uplifted hand, God, I need your help. I want to see your hand wherever you are. Come on, let's trust him. Yes, thank you, thank you. Let's bless him. Come on. You know, you got to get real with God. He'll get real with you when you get real with him. Amen? Anyone else? There's many that have raised their hand and responded. You, you may need help, you know, or maybe it's just this denial thing that you got going on. I'm telling you, God wants to change your life right here, right now. Thank you. Once you've raised your hand, you can put it back down. Thank you. Thank you. Are there others before we pray? Anybody else? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else before we pray? All right, while your heads are bowed, eyes are closed, those of you that responded that you raised your hand, I want you to know that wherever you are, that right in this moment, God is going to come and he is going to visit you about the need that's in your life. We're gonna pray together as a church, all of us out loud. Those of you that raised your hand, I want you to pray loud enough to let yourself hear and let your heart agree with what it is that you're praying as we open up our lives to him here this morning. Pray this prayer with me, everyone. Say this, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today without any reservation. I ask you to help me. Father, I repent of whatever it is 
that has kept me from trusting in you. But I look to you now and I thank you for your strength. Come to my aid, Lord. Bring your blessing into my life. And I thank you for your faithfulness to me. Now, Father, I pray for those that responded this morning. And God, I thank you for having met them right here, right now, where their lives are concerned. But God, I ask you to strengthen them with might by your spirit in their inner man, in their heart. God, that in this moment of decision, in this moment of calling upon you, Father God, that they will take steps and make the right kinds of decisions that promote their decision here today. And I thank you, Lord God, that you will strengthen them, that you will uphold them, that, Father, that you will help them. And, Father, for those that are staring at seemingly hopeless situations, God, I thank you by your power for divinely intervening and turning that circumstance around. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing in their life, that every one of them, Father, will have a testimony of your goodness and your mercy and your grace. And Father God, may they be bold and strong to tell the world what it is that you have done. And Father, I thank you for it. Now, for just one more moment, while your heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. If you're here today, maybe you're away from God. I don't know, you may have gotten in on this this most recent prayer, but you know, uh, if you're not living for God, I wanna give you an opportunity to return, to come back. The Bible makes it clear that if we'll confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That just means, praise God. sometimes people believe the lie, well, you know, God could never forgive me. That's not true. It's a lie. He will forgive you. As a matter of fact, he already has. He's just asking for your response. So if you're backslidden, we call it being backslidden. If you're away from God and you need to return, then this is an opportunity for you. Maybe you've never made a decision to receive Christ. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not about our good works. It's not about what church we belong to. It's about a decision of giving him all of our heart, all of our soul, and all our mind. So while you're there with your heads bowed, eyes closed, if you've never made a decision or you want to return back into right relationship with God, let me see your hand wherever you may be so that we can pray with you. Is there anyone as I look across the crowd? Anyone? All right, good. Father, we just thank you so much for this day that we've had the privilege of uniting ourselves together in. And God, I thank you for your blessing in the church that in these latter days, she continues to become stronger and stronger and stronger to make a difference in the world in which we live. And Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Praise God. You may be seated. We're going to receive our morning offer.